0: Hey, what's up everyone? This is Jason Tucker and this is WP Water Coolers, WP Blab. It is episode number 65. It's 7.30ish. It's time for us to hit the go button and talk. Tonight's topic, we're going to be discussing nonprofit marketing with WordPress and we have an awesome guest. So it's going to be, uh, we're going to be introducing just a little while, but we like to be rude and introduce ourselves. Bridget, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey, everybody, my name is Bridget Willard, and I'm the marketing manager for Give, an online donation plugin for WordPress. You can't use it on WordPress.com, but you can use it on a self installed version of WordPress. You can find more at givewp.com. We just released a uh, payment gateway for India called Pay You Money. Pay You Money? Yeah, India has its own payment gateways. Pay oh, okay. You. Uh-huh. Awesome. So. Sweet. Nonprofits in India rejoice! <laughs> yes,
0: they got to do the whole Bollywood dance and just go nuts and and yep. have yeah, tons, of, tons of fun.
1: That would have been so cool.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll have to do that next time. What's yep. up? I'm Jason Tucker. You can find me over at Jason Tucker on Twitter, and um, I do a bunch of blogging stuff over at Jason Tucker. blog. So feel free to go take a look at that. All right, we have been rude, Nathan. Let's tell you, tell us a little bit about you.
2: Hey guys, I am Nathan Porter. I work over here at WanaPixel and we're all about nonprofits. So uh, we work with nonprofits, small to large, more on the large side. And uh, so I've been doing this for 10 years or so and have a lot of fun doing it. That's Awesome. I'm excited to have you on. Bridget's super duper excited to
0: have you on. She's wearing like wearing a t-shirt with your face on it and stuff. She's. No, she's it's make
1: waves last year's uh, Sword camp San Diego.
0: Yeah. Nice. So we, we've been, uh, we, well this, you know, we, for the last couple of days here we've been talking about having you on and, and I've been kind of digging through your, your bio and your profile and looking at all the different things that you've been doing on social. So where, where did you start out doing nonprofit
2: work? um that's a good question so um i worked with um a nonprofit w- at my wife's uh college actually um in a volunteer capacity and um we had a campus chapter for a national nonprofit that focuses on uh victims of human trafficking and things like that and that's when we sort of got interested in that and when we decided to start our own web agency we decided to pick an audience and that's we we thought that there was a lot of need there. And that's sort of why we picked it and we went for it. That's awesome, man. I, I
0: I work at a church, so I deal a ton with dealing with nonprofit type work and dealing with a nonprofit that's also a religious nonprofit has its own kind of extra pieces there as well. Um, but I, I love hearing uh I love hearing people doing the same type of thing, getting involved with the community, getting involved with you know, charity type work and and just, uh, you know, figuring out how to do that entire thing and kind of navigating those waters. Um, but you know, have, did you guys start out using a WordPress site when you started doing what you're doing or was it, a, was it some other site and you kind of worked your way towards WordPress?
2: Um, we pretty much started with WordPress. Um, what was sort of interesting about our journey is I, I worked completely over in the enterprise software side prior to starting this agency. And um, anything open source was sort of a bad word in that case. (laughs) um, My wife worked for a company that um, is an international uh, retail chain for uh, grocery stores. And they had an IBM um, solution for their intranet. And they were looking to replace it. And she was doing a lot of research to find out what platforms could replace it. And she ran across WordPress as an interesting option um and wordpress uh compared to the 1.2 million they were paying in um licensing fees seemed like a pretty great idea to them as well Um, so that that was our introduction and she spent you know her time there sort of getting to know wordpress and that sort of thing and that's that was our launching point
1: wow wordpress is a replacement for the intranet
2: Intranet. yeah that's huge huge multi-site uh install Um, they had 600 stores using it wow Um, pretty sweet yeah
0: that's awesome I actually built built my church's intranet using WordPress so oh I
1: didn't know you could do that
0: you sure can you just lock it all down and you could even make it so that somebody could log in using like uh, like google authentication active directory if you're a windows shop um you want to log in with twitter facebook instagram all that stuff exists you just hit the little button log in and you're good to go
2: wow yeah i mean the cool thing in that case was um uh you know where a you know a header style change request to ibm would take six months to implement in this case it was like you know just like that so um that that the, the it team wasn't too happy with it but the rest of the company was was, was tickled so
0: they, they, they always want to use the most expensive thing the most craziest thing the, you know some like weird uh, you know SharePoint solution or something that's run on Microsoft or some I don't know Oracle database ridiculousness and it's just like come on guys like literally we're just we just have this page that has a bunch of links on it we have a couple graphs we have some things that pull in from, from various apis like that's all we need We don't need this like extra stuff
1: I so. don't think that is.
0: What, IT? IT loves yeah. to do this goofy stuff. I mean, I work at IT. I'm a director of IT. Yeah. so I, no, I
1: know. I mean, I, I don't want to ask questions. question that's too hard. I'm not trying to it, bother Walters you.
0: I'm just wondering,
1: like, do you think it's correlated to the ego or their well, self-worth?
2: In a, in a company like that, I mean, a company of that size, um, there, there's this saying that uh, nobody got fired for recommending Microsoft or IBM, so you know it's 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 perceived as a risk to use some sort of an open source solution in this case.
1: Wow.
0: Well, so the. Sorry, the thing... like
1: that, I know it's not like so non-profity, but it does segue in because a lot of people in the nonprofit space have the same thing with enterprise and closed source, open source. So that was just kind of yep. mind blown.
0: But then it's it's also limiting as well. I mean, we're going to be talking about using WordPress for you know as the marketing arm to your WordPress WordPress website, and so WordPress itself has you know it's great because it's open source. You can make changes to any of the files. You can do any of that stuff. And like what Nathan was saying is that you could end up having to wait two, three, four weeks for the development company to open up this one file that changes this other thing that does this other thing just to change a blue thing to red. You know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's annoying. (laughs) So that's cool that you, so what about with your, you know, you run two different shops or are you still doing both, both companies at the same time? How's that, how's that structured?
2: Wanapixel is the parent company and Wanapixel is our main company. Um, We do work for medium to large size nonprofits. um, And most of what we do is build custom web applications. Um, We build on WordPress, we build on, Civi which is an open source CRM tool. Uh, we do some work with uh, other CMS platforms as well. Um, and a lot of the things that we build are um, more in-depth applications, uh, doing something, uh, donor management, or in the case of our last client managing 2,000 hikes and uh, over, I think, 40,000 volunteers in the state of New York. So wow. things like that. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's cool. And, you know, the, the, I was trying to explain to people how nonprofits work. Like, how, how they actually, like, why, why is it that there is a nonprofit for orange dogs with only three legs? Like, you know, like you have these like nonprofits right. that are very, very, very specific. And you also have nonprofits that are like, um, we give kids Legos to learn how to, you know, program or learn how to do something like that. So there's, like, all these different types of nonprofits that are out there. And, and some of them are, you know, like I said, very, very specific. And other times it's, it's a very broad type of thing. Like, you know, we just want to cure cancer or we just want to, you know, help heart, people with heart disease or something like that. So when you're, when you're approaching, you know, these different nonprofits – how are you thinking about how someone is going to perceive that nonprofit and you know why are they help you know what what are they trying to do how are they helping this you know these people like how how do you approach that for the general public looking at that nonprofit
2: well so the um you, you know the nonprofit sphere is just as diverse as the business so, you know small business medium business sphere um If not more diverse, just because anybody who has an idea, you know, who thinks it's great and has their family on board can start a nonprofit, which is awesome. Um, However, when it comes in, there's usually two sort of uh, paths that nonprofits um, have to kind of follow at the same time one is fundraising, one is their cause. And so um, it's sort of hard to shift between the two um, and understand who your audience is. Um, when we When we uh, talk to nonprofits, a lot of times um, they've kind of lost sight of who their audience is, and that's where we usually have to start is to think, you know uh, you know not taking your three volunteers and asking hey what should what should we put on the website?" Uh, well, we should have a page about programs, we should have a page you know about um, some you know a library of resources, whatever rather than coming at it from the perspective of you know, who is our audience, specifically who is our online audience, and what are they looking for, and coming at it from the perspective of their user story, what their flow would be through the website. So we have to start from who is it that we're trying to target online, and then think about what action do we want that person to take when they come to our website.
0: And most of the time for things especially for e-commerce type sites, that is to go buy something. And typically with a nonprofit site, it's I want you to take action. I want you to read about our particular services and the things that we do for the community or for whoever that greater good is. And then if you can help us by donating, that'd be great. You know, Bridget works for a company that does donation type stuff for WordPress websites. I know Bridget, you guys spend a lot of time working with nonprofits, working with for-profits working for uh, you know guys like me that just want to fundraise money to be able to buy a camera to help out a bunch of people that can't show up to a wordpress beat up. So it, the the stuff works for all sorts of different things. Um, what have you seen Bridget that are in the that's in the nonprofit space that you know give works really well for?
1: Well, give can work for anybody who's using a wordpress site. And it's funny cuz I was talking to some friends today at lunch and he says tell me about your app. You know, so they're not, you know, like my um, um, general pop friends, right? So I said, well, it's not an app. It's software. So I usually say software because people outside of this world don't know anything about a plug okay? And I say, so if my church wants to use it for this museum project or this cause, how do I do that? I go, we have to have a WordPress website. So I just go to WordPress.com. No. This is this is the this is the on, this is ongoing debate, right? Because you, right. you can't just go to Squarespace.com, Wix.com. Now you could go to WordPress.com and make a website all day long, but you can't use Give on it because they it's not part of Jetpack. Right. So anyway,
0: um, the reason why I was asking of, that is it's oh, know, the, that's the call to, to action it. piece. Yeah. Right?
1: So so the thing is like. So we've been, um, we, I wouldn't say that we partner with, we, you know, we do some sponsorships in the WordPress community. We, we gave some license to a nonprofit weekend. Um, people give us support quest, requests, obviously pre-sales questions. So, uh, we do that, but it's just funny to me. Like it's, it's hard. It, I'm getting better at it, but like at first, especially at first, it's hard to market something that requires something else. Right? Mm-hmm. So you have to have a WordPress self-install. you have to have it. Now you can have GIF. right? And now with the payment gateways and HTTPS, you have to have a WordPress install. You have to have HTTPS, then you can have Gib. Because even PayPal I mean, I was trying to buy tickets to the movies on uh, Fandango, and I, I knew that like PayPal has to have a secure API callback this was the stuff i learned from hanging out with devs right and i couldn't like paypal was taking my money but it wasn't talking back to um fandango so i wasn't getting my ticket i'm like oh that's because of the api this is an https you know so like um so some of those things are hard to communicate so as far as what we do on our content side is we try to just educate um like I wrote a piece, like going from zero to admin, how do you start a site? Buying your domain name, choosing a host, choosing WordPress, all of that. Because to me, that's the diff- most difficult part, is going from zero to the WordPress admin. And once you can accomplish that, you can do anything, right? So, but also what we do is we curate um, what we call give stories and a uh, case studies where we highlight the nonprofits and people that are using gift for crowdfunding. The latest one that will be published. I hope next week is on the snow leopard trust, um, who started it's all on using- the front page of the site. Yeah, I know. So the the, the homepage of our site was faster than my curation. <laughs> um, but they're, they're working with, um, a bunch of countries in Southeast Asia to, um, encourage, people not to poach. Basically it sounds weird to say it, but mm. they're doing a lot of things to um, change the actual economy by um, buying goods that people make and things like that. So it's not just don't kill these beautiful leopards, snow leopards, like here's a replacement. So they have a really good, and they're working with the local governments and things like that. So we tell their story, which gives them more exposure to a different audience, which also helps, um, people get ideas on, on their, how they display their forms and those kinds of things like that. Or even that they're called forms because like for me, I just thought it was a button, you know? So, mm-hmm. and so for my experience as being a new WordPress user, um, I, I'm able to kind of be more street talky, you know? So, um, loosen that a little bit. I'm getting overeducated. Uh, but I, but the thing is like when I had that conversation today and he goes, Oh, so I just go to wordpress.com. No. And so like, I need, like I'm realizing I need, I have so many people that I know that are in nonprofit the nonprofit world just from my own church life. And it's just, it's, I tell you, you know, um, How Scott Stratton says, every time you see a QR code, a kitten dies. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen a WordPress person, a WordPress developer, I'm saying this in love, Uh use GoFundMe for something. What are you giving your money away for? We don't take a cut. Like, you should just use Give. And... Don't buy anything from us. And they, they, the guys sort of like hate me. I go, you don't need to buy anything from us. Just don't use GoFundMe. They're taking your money. But, like, I just cry tears. I'm like, what are you doing? You're giving your money away, those GoFundMe people. And, they're, and, and you don't own your data, which is why we all love WordPress. Exactly. The irony of using open source so we own our data, that is a major selling point of WordPress. Owning and controlling the destiny of your data, and then you say, "Well, I don't want to build a website. I'm just going to go with GoFundMe."
0: Well, that know, has I to think- be that has to be the reason why you know Nathan, why you guys were like, "I need to be able to manage all the people that we're interacting with in our organization. We need to build the CRM." Is that yeah. is that what ended up happening there?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, so we we have a lot of uh, we. we we implement CRMs for a lot of our clients, but um, the CRM projects that we work with are so, uh, are are very expensive typically. So when it comes to smaller nonprofit organizations who are looking for something um, simple and easy, we really didn't have any solution for them. And so that was sort of what what, uh, got us interested in creating a simple CRM for WordPress where it literally is, you know, install from the repo updates happen automatically, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so, and you know, so far uh, you know, people have, have appreciated, they've, they've loved it. Um, and it gives us, it makes us feel good to have a solution to give to people who can't afford, you know, the deluxe package or self, you know, self the, the Cadillac, yeah. Right. I mean, I that's, mean, what's cool about this.
1: Out loud, that yeah, <laughs> scores. <for> <laughs>
0: But it's cool that you can take you can take you know WordPress itself, install your plugin, install the Give plugin, install Mailchimp, install the Google Apps integration. I'm like looking through your your stuff here, and have all of those things, including forms through Gravity Forms. You take all the best of best of class type um, plugins and just tie them all together and say, look, we're collecting data from people, we're uh, accepting donations from people. We're allowing them to look at uh, various, was like an opportunity manager that's on here. Um, you have all these extra, like really great pieces to it that that really make this work. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that part's the most important part is is having the infrastructure in place to be able to do good marketing. Because if you if you just send people to your you know splash page website and they get there. And they go like, well, that's great. You know, you want to save the monkeys or you want to save the whatever. But there's nothing on there that says like, here's how you can get involved. Here's how you can give to us. Here's how we can collect uh, data from you. So that way we can send you updates about the things that are going on. Uh, That's, that has to be the reason why you build this type of thing. So that way you can collect that.
2: Yeah. You know, what's great about WordPress and, and something that we really had to sort of get our heads around when we built uku people is the flexibility of making it what you want Mm -hmm. um, and not being sort of trapped in a certain structure it's kind of like legos you can pick this piece over here and this piece over there and you can build what you want out of it with something like you know salesforce or um squarespace or anything like that you're kind of stuck within that that sort of rigid structure that's offered um, and so when we built the CRM, what was really interesting to us is when we talked to nonprofits, they said, uh, well, you know, does it have forms? Does it have donations and that kind of thing? Um, because they were comparing it to a feature list from uh. know, Donor Perfect or Razor's Edge or these other tools, not not understanding the fact that it does that in, you know, in sync with other tools like, like Give and like Gravity Forms and these other tools uh, where you can, you know, Sort of pick your bundle and install it, and away you go, so mm-hmm. yeah that's that's definitely what's cool about wordpress and and it's uh you know they've done a really good job of curating what's out there so that things do work together most of the time um you don't have um uh, some of the issues that you do with some of the open source platforms uh where um you know you have no idea when you download a plugin whether it's gonna work with your other plugins or not, and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. So um, is. WordPress is awesome.
1: Besides the technical, I, I mean I can't tell you the bad side of Jason's questions a couple of questions ago is I've seen a lot of websites where, I, where I'm looking for what it is that they do and I have no idea. So how what? often Nathan are you helping direct that landing page content? and and changing the the verbiage so that it's not something ethereal that makes zero sense.
2: I mean that's that's a, that's our hard, <laughs> that is our hardest job because when you are so close to the mission of your organization it's yeah. hard to tell the story in a yes. way that makes sense to people and um people tend to think well we're going to cover all our bases. We're going to put everything there. We're not going to talk to just one audience. We're going to talk to every possible audience. And so it becomes sort of an encyclopedia of their organization that nobody is interested in reading. And so what ends up happening is, uh, they end up, you know, when you try to talk to everyone, when you talk to no one, right? So what our hardest job is to make them sort of think about who they are, what their message is and, you know, cutting out 90% of what they put a lot of hard work into compiling and sort of narrow down to what's the essential piece. Um, we, I mean, th- people are all over the map when they come to what they put on their website. It can be, you know, we, t- we had one client who said um, they, they, um, they helped connect people with food services for low income families and things like that. And they said, um, one of the people said, well, we should put front and center. We do, we are not a food bank. It's like, well, that's, you know, what kind of a message are you sending to tell people what you are not? And they're like, well, we get all these phone calls. Yeah. But that's not, you know, how you engage with your audience, how you, Yeah. yeah. So that's, so you have to think about that. And then other people say, well, we get, all these questions about different things. So we wanna make an encyclopedic list on our website of everything that we do and don't do, which is useless. What you have to think about is, like I said, number one, your audience. Number two is what action do you want them to take? So if you're primarily a fundraising organization, like you know, Save the Snow leopards or Save the Whales, put that fundraising message front and center and think about how you get people from landing on your site who know nothing about you to taking an action to give obviously you have to give them a reason they need to understand who you are and what you do and they have to connect with um that mission in order to give and so um you know telling that story effectively is is important and it's usually simple is usually harder um but simple is is more engaging and um the other thing too is if you are a fundraising organization, don't be afraid to put the message front and center because mm-hmm. some people are like, well, it's it's gonna sound like we're begging or like we're asking. If you do it in a in a uh friendly way, if you do it in a um you know, a way that's not uh needy, um, then it's actually very effective to put your you know give now message right in your header if if that's the kind of organization that you are. Um, if you're service based and you're mostly connecting with an audience that you serve online, then your message is going to be different, but, um, yeah.
1: Do you coach this? How, what kind of a process is this iteration? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: so our projects typically are, uh, six to eight months long. Wow. Um, and we start with the discovery phase, which is, um, Uh, which is a couple of months long uh, and we you know we usually fly our team on site to meet with them and spend um, about a week on site uh, with all their stakeholders meet their um, their user base and all that kind of thing Um, and then we also look at the data because data tells us a different story than uh, than they do almost all of the time so if we look at their analytics and we look at their most visited pages we look at the most frequent search terms and that kind of thing We can understand, uh, well, maybe you're missing um, what people are actually looking for. And the the client that we just worked with in New York, they thought that their audience was mostly uh, early retirees to older retirees. They thought that was their demographic because most of their volunteers were that, and they have like 20,000 volunteers. But their biggest audience and their biggest opportunity for fundraising is people who hike, people who um get out on trails and that kind of thing. And looking at the, the um looking at the analytics, more than fifty percent of their audience was under the age of thirty five. Wow. And so wow. how you target that demographic is a completely different ball game. Um and so if we had started from their assumption we would have ended up way down the wrong path. Wow.
0: I mean, that, that makes perfect sense to sit there and, and be be somebody who um, is totally outside of their organization, kind of looking, outside looking in, going, actually, let's try this a little bit. And you start testing the waters, and then you come to find out, just like you said, you had these, these older folks that they thought was their demo, and it ends up being a totally different demo altogether, so... That's yeah. that's really cool to see that, and the, you know that right there shows you that if you don't do that type of work and you don't get the right people to do that type of work, you're going to end up, um, you know, putting a whole bunch of money, effort, and energy into marketing just the wrong people all together. So, yeah. how, how did you how did you approach that? Like, did you did you explain to them that hey, if we wouldn't went down this way, that we would have been you know, hitting the AARP crowd, and really, what it should have been is these other folks instead.
2: Well, um, th- them hearing it from us isn't isn't often convincing enough. I mean, they've been doing this for forty years. In their case, they've been an organization since nineteen twenty. So, oh wow, hundred year old organization. They 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 built the first branch of the Appalachian Trail. So they've been you know around for a long long time. But um, having that data to back it up to say here's what your analytics tell us that's irrefutable data and so that along with we do user testing as well so uh what we do is we take their own audience and then we take um audiences that are completely unfamiliar with the organization and we have them go to their website and perform a task um and we pick tasks that people would naturally do like find a hike or find a trail whatever and um when it comes to um you know when it comes to those user stories that's very powerful because we record the person and they're like hmm i can't find this now what does that mean and it gives them a whole different perspective of their website it's like wow it took someone 15 minutes to find a site i mean to find a, a hike on our website wow that's that's really eye-opening and their board members you know are like huh wow huh you know and, you know because they were the ones who were against the the redesigned project in the first place. Oh. You know, like oh, it's a waste of money. It's whatever. So, so what tools um,
0: were you using for that? Was that some like Hotjar, or were you watching the people do it? What, what type of things? Because our our yeah. our um, our viewers absolutely love clicking on links that we provide them. They love looking at this stuff, going like, "What? You can actually watch somebody's screen to see how this stuff works." Mm-hmm. You know, they all get super excited yeah. about this stuff. So, what what tools are you using to do that part of it?
2: uh so we've used a few different ones um the the one that we used recently um was a user snap oh okay um and that gives us um uh the ability to sort of go in and 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 see visually what people are doing and and give us feedback Um, there's another one which i can't think of off the top of my head uh, but that's more invitation based where you can say, go do these certain set of tasks, uh, but I can't think of it right off the top. Of my
0: head. And we're watching you. <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: reason why, is, the, re,
0: the reason why I was asking about links and stuff like that is, and I forgot to mention this at the, at the top of the show here, is that um, we have a really great uh, community of folks that hop onto our Google Doc and actually update all of our show notes in real time while we're doing this stuff. So I don't really have to do anything here. Bridget really doesn't have to do anything here. We just have to make sure we say a funny thing every once in a while in our chat room. And, then these folks, Princess just wave. Absolutely- <laughs> and these <laughs> folks love putting this stuff in here. So, um, you know, just, I know it's a quick little pause here, but I want to say thank you very much for all you folks that are putting in those show notes and I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. And, and since we're in a little break, um, uh, Kevin Hoffman wrote that he thinks sometimes WordPress developers choose proprietary software because they need out-of-the-box solutions that don't have time for setup and integration. So his question is, what can marketing do to make the benefits of a WordPress solution more appealing than the convenience of an alternative? And that is where I pitch the community marketing team, I mean, the marketing team of WordPress so there's uh, four subgroups for the marketing. There's marketing to the community, marketing to end-users, marketing to devs, and marketing to something else, I don't remember. And they all meet on a Wednesday. If you go to wordpressorg make.wordpress.org slash marketing, you could join one of those teams and change how marketing is happening because that is a problem that needs to be solved. And if I learn anything about WordPress, it's all grassroots. So it only happens if you get involved. And this is not sponsored, but that's my pitch.
2: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean and, and there 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 is a cross section of people who really don't care to uh sort of be the do-it-yourself person. Uh that doesn't mean that WordPress isn't a solution for them. Right. There's, there's there's lots of people out there who can help with that and assist with that.
0: Yeah, you can always throw money at people and they'll definitely help you out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if <laughs> if, that's, if that's, what, that's what you're doing, because that's what happens with most of these higher end uh, pieces of software is that they just want to have somebody that they can blame and say, your product is having problems. I need you to fix it. Go fix it. And because it's such a high enterprise, you know, ridiculously huge thing, they'll just go, sure, no problem. You paid tons of money to us to, to have that support. No problem. We'll, we'll take care of it for you.
1: Kind of like that saying that you always have a car payment, whether you have a car payment or you have a used car, you're still making the payment. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the the one thing that, <laughs> yeah, that's um, people say. Somebody, Sorry. I heard somebody say this about uh, open source. They said it's um, it's free like kittens, not free like beer, um, in the in the sense that you know you have to take it, you have to care for it, and blah blah blah, and. Change Some litter come, box. yeah. So, right. <laughs> Some people come with this conception that WordPress um, is free, and da, da, da. it's like I'm getting Squarespace for free, right? Um, without the the thought of oh, you have to maintain it, you have to do updates, blah blah blah. The um, the thing that um, that is sometimes hard for especially nonprofits to understand is the investment in marketing um, and that payoff that you get from the investment Um, we have an organization that's based in california Uh, their board several other board members are here in colorado and we helped them create a uh, peer-to-peer fundraising platform in 2009 they were doing this walk that they did every year for for raising funds and they you know during this walk um, it was a single event uh one time they were they were able to get up to Around um, two hundred fifty thousand um, in 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 fundraising for that event, and they for five years it was static. It was two hundred fifty thousand. Um, we helped them sort of understand this investment in 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 this in the software that would expand that capability to to you know hundreds of people. And ever since then, their fundraising has increased exponentially year over year. In five years now, they're raising um, $4 million wow. a year. And, and it
1: that's a change. huge increase from 250,000 to 4 million.
2: Yep. And their team size didn't change or anything like that. But the board at the time was like, this is a big investment, you know, a peer to peer platform. Um, you know, how do we, how can we justify this? We're only raising $250,000 a year, not understanding the investment payoff in the long term Hmm.
0: Wow, let me see here. So well, that
1: sort of reminds me of the recurring donations. That's the same thing. It, when oh you yeah. Have recurring because the people that are already your customers or user base are gonna keep if you can make it so that they keep um, contributing. You, you're, you, you um, keep them longer and you raise more money, like forty percent. 42% I've seen different, but it makes sense. I mean, listen, you guys, I had two accounts for Hootsuite on accident. I was actually only paying for a clients on accident. I didn't know. So this must have been happening for almost a year and a half that I've worked for Word & um, And I didn't even notice that $15 was coming out twice a month. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like there's that subscription a mechanism is very helpful to fundraising. Do you find that that's something um, important of retaining your donors, Nathan, when you talk to them about their marketing? Like is there something you could do in the marketing besides the functioning of fundraising to help retain that donor base?
2: Yeah. You know, a lot of people have this sense that, you know, well, um we we run into organizations all the time that say well we need to we need to make the the giving levels higher uh, because we want to make those um we you know we want to make those we we need to increase our donations and um we're actually saying make it lower make it make it so people don't have to think about it so it's not a decision Mm -hmm. make it ten dollars instead of a hundred dollars but then make it recurring and when you have it set up as recurring um you know like you said the retention is 42 percent more and and in some cases a lot more than that the thing about it though is that a lot of organizations they don't it's not really their purpose or their job to think about all of these things and these tips and tools and things like that Uh, so it doesn't hurt to sort of bring someone in every now and then to sort of um think about those sort of things and give you feedback and obviously groups like meetups and things like that are great for that as well too uh-huh. yeah recurring is definitely uh, important
1: there was a there was a peer to peer forum uh happening the last couple of days, and I was uh, kind of reading the hashtag and that there was a tweet that went out today that said the most common reason people didn't donate they weren't thanked previously
2: mm mm-hmm. oh wow, it's absolutely true yeah
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, especially if it's a you know any kind of significant gift. On Giving Tuesday, um, that's that's a huge uh, difference maker when it comes to people's giving. People have seen their giving year over year double just because of their strategy for follow-up. And um, other organizations are saying it's not worth it. Like, we, did, we only raised $2,500 or whatever. Um, we have an organization uh, that we work with that is really on top of that sort of thing. And on Giving Tuesday, they have their executive director... Just standing by the phone, every time a transaction comes in, they call the person and thank them. You know, person, and they they do it during the day. Um, So a lot of people are work; they don't answer and they just leave a voicemail. But just that gesture has made a huge difference in um, people saying, "Wow, this person reached out to me and thanked me for the donation," and they'll say that on social media, and Mm -hmm. that'll you know just increase the number of people who are giving to that cause because um, they, it shows that it's meaningful to them, they're not yeah. just uh, you know, the ether.
1: That's almost a call to action of having the CRM in the first place. I mean it's great that you have all that data, it's great you know that Jason Tucker gave $5 every month for the last 10 years, but if you don't do something about it, what is the purpose of having that data? So uh, what mm-hmm. can people do with their CRM information in marketing? So-
2: yeah, that's so. A CRM um, is sort of a, st- a, a Uku people, for instance, is sort of a step up from Excel sheets and your Gmail contact list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with Excel sheets and a Gmail contact list is that number one, when you have three or four people um, trying to keep track of all of this information, it tends to get lost. And so when you have a CRM, you can um, you can keep track of not only who's given what. Um, and that sort of thing, you can also keep track of who's interacted with who. And so if you're doing an annual giving uh, campaign and you're calling people to make an ask, it's it's really, really bad if you call someone the day after they give you a big gift Oops. and ask them for money. Um, there, have yeah. where, <laughs> yeah, there have been multiple instances. I can see that being super bad. There have been multiple instances with our clients where they've lost a major client because our major donor because of that. And uh, that's sort of inspired them or been the sort of push to, um, to, to make them seek out a CRM tool where they can keep track of all their interactions. Um, and then of course, you, know, having the ability to filter lists and send campaigns by email and all of that um, just you know is the, the other piece of the tool that people commonly think about when they think about uh, contact management.
0: That's cool, yeah. I could I could see that being a massive, massive problem. But I, I you know, especially when you look at a CRM as a way that you are interacting with that with that customer that you have, that you can you can then look at other things like you know, like most CRM tools. You you hear you hear like a salesperson will call up and they'll say, you know, how's your wife Jennifer doing? And you are just like. Okay. <laughs> right, like they just start saying all that stuff, but you can, right. you could then say that, you know, uh, you could track that they've given to this campaign and this campaign. Um, maybe they might be interested in this sort of thing. Cause you know, especially when you're calling up to get donations, it's, it's almost like a sell in that mm. you're not selling anything. You're selling the promise that you're going to take the money that they're providing you and do something good with it.
2: Right. One of the, I mean, what you just said is actually really interesting because um, some, some of these, um, some of these CRM tools are actually, all they are is marketing automation. Basically you look at Infusionsoft, you look at Salesforce and you can pick out an email from one of those systems up from a mile away. Hello, Nathan, blah, blah, you know, and um, one of the things, one of our goals, yeah, (laughs) one of our goals with Uku people was to bring the human element back in. And that, that's something we really focus on in our marketing is to say, these are humans. They're not you know, um, a data ATMs. point. ATMs. If this trigger happens, then they get this email. If this trigger happens, they get this email. These are people and you want to connect with them as people and, and remember that they are people.
0: So what, what um, you know, not to make this a, a, a sales pitch for, for your product, but we're totally making this a sales pitch for your product. So how, how, how does that, how do you add the human to that? Like what's, can you define that for us a little bit?
2: Well, you know, um, what we try to do is remind the users that these are humans through the interface. And so when you click on, um, when you, when you, Instead of clicking contacts, you're clicking on humans, um, and instead of you know oh you mean
1: the word yeah,
2: yeah yeah oh so in the menu structure you have humans you have organizations, and so um, we try to make that you know blatantly obvious throughout the process, um, and then you know obviously the integrations that we um, that we've created are are you know ways that people can connect um, in personally. Uh, two, two humans. So
0: That's cool. Yeah. I like that. And are you pulling in, um, are you pulling in extra bits of information regarding these folks? Like for instance, getting the photo of the person. So they look more human-like and, uh, you know, p- finding things that are part of their Twitter, their Twitter, uh, you know, uh, avatar or Facebook avatar or Instagram or blah, blah, blah. How, how is that all kind of tying together to make it more
2: human-like? Yeah, so uh, when you create a contact, um, it checks to see if they have a Gravatar profile. And if they do, then it pulls their image in. Um, So that sort of automates uh, that process, and it it gives you a connection when you pull up the person. Um, Actually being able to see someone's face is great. Um, And then we also, the one great thing about WordPress is that um, it's something that people are actually interacting with. That are your audience. Um, with a CRM tool, too much, too much, too much of the time, the only person interacting with it is your back office staff or your admin staff. And so, with WordPress, people are filling out forms, uh, they're, you know, signing up for newsletters, they're, they're donating. So every time they do that, we're getting another chance to pull in fresh data that they've given to us and automating the process of keeping their contact profile up to date and all of that um, without. Anybody having to go in there once a year and think about, okay, is, is this an old address? Has this been you know outdated? Whatever, it's all automatically updating.
0: That's awesome. Now I, I love that you've tied that into WordPress. So your your website also includes all this extra stuff as well. Um how how is your how is your customers um, you know accepted that or taken that as like a benefit of your product because i know like for instance at our church we end up with all these different siloed databases and there's all these different databases they all have the roughly the same amount of stuff every once in a while something's different every once in a while this thing totally failed at storing people's content or it's so old mm-hmm. that no one ever updated it um, You know, is that a good, I mean, it has to be a good selling point for you to say everything about your thing is all in this one interface.
2: Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, um, the fact that contact details get updated automatically, that's already a huge selling point. And then just you know, a bonus a cherry on top is, you know, they can go into their WordPress dashboard and they can see all their donations. They can see all their contacts. They can filter lists by people's interests. What, you know, what event they've attended. Mm -hmm. So from one dashboard and a lot of these organizations are largely volunteer run, you know, they, the training cycle is much shorter. Every onboarding is easier. Um, you know, so everything is, is right there and WordPress offers great, um, access control as well. So you can give people different levels of access as they're needed. So you can say, this person should just see this list of contacts. They shouldn't see everything else and yeah, can do that. So. That's cool.
0: That
1: makes sense.
0: So let's talk about marketing. <laughs> We've talked a lot hey. about the tools, the things that we're using to kind of, you know, tie all this stuff together in the WordPress space. But what about bringing the people to the site? Um yeah. what what things are what things are you've been doing um on your recent projects that have helped out folks bring more people to the site to be able to figure out how to interact or give or do things with it
2: Yeah so people um uh have a variety of experience but a lot of people think of things in a fairly siloed manner um and so and which isn't the right way to think about it so they think okay this is my facebook page this person is our facebook person blah 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 um what we try to teach people how to think about their you know landscape of marketing tools is that your website is the center of the spoke Everything else is tools to bring people to that, so they're channels, so you have your email marketing, you have Facebook, you have Instagram, but the purpose of all of that is to bring people back to your website mm-hmm. um, and so that's that's thing one um, what we what I get questioned about a lot is um, hey, you know um, I heard that there's a Google grant for AdWords that's ten thousand dollars a month. Do you think we should sign up for that and my my answer is always. No, I don't, I think that would be a horrible idea until you have something to drive them to. So if your website is crap and you're spending $10,000 a month in free AdWords to drive them to your website, guess what? You're going to have a 95% bounce rate because the people are coming there and they're not seeing what they're looking for and they're disappearing. And so you always want to focus on your core first. So the center of the spoke, you want to make sure your website is speaking to your audience and that. Uh, You have, you know, fresh content, relevant content on your website. Once that piece is done, then you can worry about, you know, what should we be putting on Instagram or Facebook or email campaign or Snapchat or whatever it may be. And what channels you choose um, is largely based on who your demographic is. Um, You know, some people have an older demographic. Facebook is perfect. Some people have a very young demographic. Then you're looking at Snapchat or something like that. Uh, But just remembering that the center of the spoke is your website helps you think about the other things in the right perspective.
0: What about landing pages? You know, we 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 talk a ton about landing pages both here on WP Blab as well as on WP Water Cooler, and you know, you have like these squeeze pages, and there's all these different like crazy terms that people come up with to be able to get people to read a bunch of con read, read a bunch of text, get them to the bottom, have them click on that one thing that they can get to to be able to you know the actionable item. Um, Mm -hmm. is that something that nonprofits should be looking at too? Well,
2: it depends on the size of, of the nonprofit and, and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, when you're, uh, let's say you're holding an annual event or something like that, that deserves its own page. That deserves a landing page. Um, what can tend to happen if you're, if you're using a landing page generator, uh, or something (laughs) like that is that you get all these disparate looks and feels and styles of landing pages out there and people have no idea who you really are um, and they don't know that this landing page is associated with this organization you know and so that becomes really confusing the other thing is that a lot of organizations um, that are well you know there are more small organizations than large organizations in the nonprofit space and so time and effort is a is a at a high you know, uh, high value. Um, And so thinking strategically about, you know, where are my efforts best placed, um, maybe building a landing page for, you know, a a quarterly theme or a monthly theme doesn't make sense. But for a large event or something like that, maybe maybe that's a perfect application for a landing page.
0: Yeah, I just, I've learned on, on both of the shows here that you have people that have Never done a nonprofit site, and you have people that's all they do is nonprofit sites. And the people that have never done a nonprofit site, they look at this from the perspective of somebody who's trying to sell something and trying to uh, get you to learn more information about the thing. But they're but they're primarily trying to confuse the consumer into getting them into this one little back corner of the of the store that's on the website that says you can only buy from us, and that's it. And I, I, I hate that, and I hate seeing a nonprofit try to pull the same type of uh, you know, trickery when, when it's a totally different beast altogether. You're not selling anything. You're providing that, you know, and promise might not be the right term here, but this idea that the money that you're going to provide, the services that you're going to accept from them and everything is going to be coming from your generosity for the organization.
2: Yeah, I think, um, what can tend to happen and, and it, it's just the nature of, of, um, of the industry. And that is, um, you, you hear so many different strategies you, you hear, uh, f- you know, from one person over here, oh, you know, do your Instagram posts this way, or you hear from someone over here, like do Facebook this way. It can be really confusing to hear all these different things. Just remember that you need to stay true to who you are as an organization. And so, if it fits within the framework, and only you know who you are as an organization, if it fits within the framework of who you are, um, then implement it. But if it feels like you're going out of out of who you are, um, like you said, the, the you know a landing page that um, is high pressure or something like that, they may not be who you are as an organization. You may be that, but if it feels uncomfortable or if it feels like it's not who you are, then don't do it. You, you know, you want to stay true to who you are, and and people connect with you in that way it's it's very similar to organizations who uh, get distracted by shiny objects so they're like oh here's a grant over here for elementary school program we should add that program to our organization and they end up being so spread so thin and so wide and having no real core of who they are that um, they become ineffective and people don't really know who they are and so um you know thinking about that and thinking about Um, sticking and developing that, you know, persona as an organization is really important.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've talked about having a voice, um, you know, when, um, when Jen Miller was on the show, we were talking about uh, having a voice, making sure that you're always speaking in that same voice, just like you were saying here, Nathan, uh, making sure that those pages look the same throughout the Mm -hmm. site, or at least has a reason why, the entire page has just changed its shape, form, font, color, the whole nine yards. I'm
2: like purple today. Yeah, right.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are, what are other things that, that, that folks can do when they're, when they're working for a teeny tiny nonprofit that they can do to be able to drive more traffic to their site? What, what are those things that they could do?
2: Yeah. So um, I would say um, you, the way that you engage with an audience and that you build an audience is just the exact same way that you engage with other people that your friends, your, you know, whatever. So, um, following some shiny strategy, um, it, you know, learning how to use a platform, that's one thing, but right. following some, you know, you know, quick weekend seminar strategy to do these 10 things and you'll be successful. That's, that's not a good approach, so think about interacting with your audience on social media. Think about um, interacting with your audience by email, by phone in a personal way the same way that you would if you're meeting them face to face and that's how you're going to build build that audience and build uh, you know build attention back to your uh, your brand and your your organization
1: yeah, I mean uh, blogging. It's not expensive. It's not video production. It's it's really underrated, right? It's hard I mean, work. It is hard work, but and and I'm telling you, like, look, I was involved for many many years, and in homeless outreach, and I still maintain their website. And for a long time, I pushed. You know me. I'm aggressively friendly. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I said that at the woman who WP'd the other day and somebody made it a hashtag think, well, that's awesome. I go, I'm not a stalker, I'm aggressively friendly. So I but like telling the stories and I was trying to like look you guys, you don't even have to put on the internet. I will put on the internet. You email me, you know how to email. Email me what happened tonight at this homeless outreach and I will put on the internet. But it's just so hard getting that content, even yeah. when you're part of the team. Even when you witness it yourself, it's amazing how difficult that could be. But it's so yeah. important Wh- which to is- tell the story of what you're doing because we're talking about humanizing. People have related to stories since time began. So mm-hmm. that's not new. It's not new. You know what I mean? Like, right. Okay, so a lot of my friends are watching that show Abstract on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. Have you started no. watching that yet, Nathan? I haven't. No. Okay. Well. Okay. So, well, here's the thing: they're doing a Ken Burns. They're telling the story of this person, and through the storytelling of this one person's life, you are learning about architecture, photography, automobile design, etc. It's a side. That's the side mm-hmm. issue. Like I thought. Oh, this is going to be so lame. Automotive design. Nobody's going to care. Chrysler, blah. Boring. But they told the story of Ralph Giles. Mm -hmm. They told his story about how he's from Montreal and he was a Haitian immigrant and they had his dad and they had his brother and they had his wife and they had his girlfriend and they had his letters from, and you you felt like you knew this person. And I was sitting at lunch with Devin and and Jason said, You guys got to watch this. We have to do this more. We have to learn how to, to, as a byproduct, yes, this. But it's really the story of the person that always, like if you think of yourself as an audience, what resonates? Blah, 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 auto design, blah, blah, who cares? Model T, whatever, the, you know, pacer. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't even care. But now I care because I care about this guy, right? And I, I feel like if we could figure out how to do that,
2: yeah the the um the story brand <laughs> the story brand team talks about thinking about your brand as a movie and they talk about the parts of the movie the character the trusted guide and all of you know whatever um and it it really does you know make a lot of sense the reason that creating the reason that content is so impactful original content that's you know good stories and that kind of thing is because it's hard if it was easy if it was a you know um share five things on Facebook strategy then it would be completely ineffective at least you know after a period of time so uh yeah I mean it's hard work it's free but it's hard work and I think a lot of organizations find that they're like oh we just don't have time a lot of them a lot of them say we don't see the payoff you know we we did this for a month we created original content we don't see the payoff there there's not real dollars for the hours that we're putting in um but You know, it's a a long-term investment. Um,
1: So what do you think, Nathan, about volunteers? I mean, a lot of people like – so even though I don't go out to the homeless ministry anymore, I maintain their website. It's one of three websites, and that's it. I'm done. Just for the record, (laughs) I keep saying this. Never building a WordPress website again. (laughs) Um, Or any website ever. So um, it's not my thing. So here's the thing. There's a lot of people probably who would want to help, but maybe don't want to be the boots on the ground. How do you recruit that kind of person?
2: You mean like help with uh, content creation and that kind of thing? Yeah.
0: Content creation, social have you, media. Have you experienced
1: that out with your clients?
2: Well, um, that's a great question. I mean, there, there are some, I mean, it's very hard. It it really is because you have a very personal, um, you know, thing that you're putting out there that you're telling about your organization. Now having a volunteer sort of schedule content and schedule social media and that kind of thing uh, that you can, that you can often integrate someone more easily a a college student or something like that. Um, The actual content creation piece where you really want to give value and you want to tell a personal story or you want to give, value through data and statistics and that kind of thing, that's really hard to get um, someone who's not deeply involved with your organization to do um, in most cases. But,
1: and, and they probably don't want to outsource.
2: Yeah, you know, it's just oh, out, I Spending. outsourcing is a, is a horrible idea uh, for something like that, I think. I mean, you better um, to have a
1: volunteer than an outsource. Yeah, yeah. someone
2: who, who's local or, or understands somewhat about the organization. Um, it would probably be better. I would say. Yeah.
0: What about, you know, if you do finally find somebody who's a volunteer or even somebody who's in the organization already, who's like, I know how to use the Facebooks. I want to, I want (laughs) to post things on the Facebooks. Mm -hmm. What about the, what about the rules that you should be setting up the business rules that you should be setting up that kind of dictates what they should be posting, what they should not be posting. Um, how to make sure that they're staying within that voice. Um, what are the, those things that they should be looking I mean, looking
2: at? The, the best, you know, it's very hard um, because you want someone to have the freedom to be personal and be personable um, without uh, sort of censoring them too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and social media is a little bit transient. It's not like, um, you know, your, your end of year annual report that you're putting out. So if somebody makes a mistake, it's not as big of a deal. Um, but as far as for posting, that kind of thing, I would probably recommend, um, besides having sort of a brief brand guide, and, and um, you know, we don't use uh, you know swear words or whatever it might be depending on your organization. Um, you, it doesn't hurt to, to use some sort of a scheduling tool like Hootsuite or something like that, where you can review it before it goes out, at least for the first little while, until you feel comfortable that that person gets your brand and they yeah. are saying the things that you would say.
1: Actually, for our client work, we do what we call preseason tweets in an Excel spreadsheet.
2: We don't publish
1: them. We just write them there. They go, yes, and then we schedule them. Um, that's, That's great. Kevin Hoffman is saying that he helped write a handbook for a local nonprofit on social media policies. Part of the deal was scheduling all the posts in advance for the first month for that exact reason. So, Yeah. Yeah, peer That's review. Getting the voice right, and and sometimes, like especially with churches, not being political, um, it's really important for lots of reasons, including being divisive, alienating your parishioners, and threatening your status as a five hundred one c three.
0: Right, so and I've even like seen things
1: like that are that.
0: tricky. Well, we've all seen it on Twitter, where you'll have somebody one social or sorry, one account that will say something funny or say something not very funny, but everyone starts turning it into a joke or a meme or something. They start, you know, all piling on to it. And then you'll start, you'll see these other, um, other Twitter accounts or Facebook accounts, whatever, start adding to it that are like big brands. You know, huh. it's like, it's like if like, Folger said something and then Kraft starts saying something and then like, you know, Pepsi starts saying something else. But they're all talking about the same thing and kind of building this crazy little narrative. But then you have like, you know, poor, uh, you know, a nonprofit nonprofit organization who tries to be funny and tries to throw in their two cents. And then, um, you know, everything blows up around them. So when that happens, what have you have you guys given any guidance to that? Like you know, we accidentally you know talked about killing a bear or something. Their whole thing's about you know saving the bears. Like,
2: (laughs) what 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 kind of
0: things have you guys given to those? Like you know, almost like one of those like get out of jail free card type of things.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's it's tricky because especially um, you know uh, in today's world, um, depending who who gets offended by what you say. Um, You could either, it could either be great or it could be a a real PR nightmare. So um, the, the, the thing that you have to do though, I think, and especially as organizations get larger, they tend to be more controlling. Mm -hmm. And then what tends to happen is they kind of lose their personality. Um, I'm sure you saw the, uh, the Twitter uh, sort of uh, hashtag or whatever for, Wendy's a few weeks ago. Oh yeah, uh, where where Wendy's was like on their game. Uh, some somebody tweeted them something about um, uh, roast me, and Wendy's tweeted back, "Get one of your fifty one friends to roast you, or whatever." Uh, <laughs> you know. um, but you know, you, being edgy is a great advantage in terms of um, engaging an audience. Yeah. Um, so there is a fine line there. I think I think most organizations. Um, sort of err on the side of censorship as opposed to um, being personable.
1: Well, also, there's a big difference between being a franchise and being a nonprofit. Okay, so like, I've seen those things go really wrong. Like the classic example being um, the hashtag why I stayed and the pizza company said because of the pizza. It was about Mm -hmm. domestic violence. So, but... But this is what this is the thing, and we've had this discussion several times for WordPress and, and Give because the brand is, is separated. And um, I am dogmatic um, that we are not funny on Give because I feel like okay, snark. We're our culture, our WordPress culture is very snarky. That we can snark all day long on WordPress. But forgive, our audience is mostly nonprofits, and we're asking them to trust us. So I try to be friendly and informative, right? So I think when you're asking for money in this way, where people are skeptical, people are very skepti- skept- ah!
0: skeptical. Skeptical. <laughs> I'm on a
1: radio show. That's a podcast now. <laughs> um, people are cynical, and. They don't trust nonprofits. They don't trust where the money's going. They're not sure if if they give $100. How much of that $100 is actually going to the person in need? That's been a problem for Red Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so well,
2: it's be- Because it's a, a real problem. <laughs> but,
1: no, yeah. I mean, I'm, I am know there's overhead and there's all these costs and, and all those things. But then you have Charity Water, who is mm-hmm. legitimately huge as a – and, and that guy is friendly and you have their website is perfect It's just hands and water coming down and give because it's very clear what they're doing, right? so the thing is with um, I, I Personally just for the sake of disclaimers would not recommend Any memes or anything that would cause you to not be trusted because it's already in the back
2: no. I, I I disagree with you. I mean, I it depends on your organization um, and the demographic uh, of the organization. Sharpie. Um, the you know <laughs> the the digital natives and millennials, their language is sarcasm, and so if you don't uh, speak in that language, then they're not going to find you engaging. So if you're for those types of organizations, being edgy mm-hmm. is sort of the you know their their edge. That's that's. That's I double-dog dare you
1: to do a case study on that. And there's your snark, because I think that would be awesome. I would love yeah. to read that. No, there, because that you. I think that you might be right. But, um, but I, she that wants would to be see a, you first. Now, <laughs> now, that just would be a, so great, just that would just be a this, great case study. Be just a
2: disclaimer, point. there are definitely more nonprofits <laughs> that are focused on um older demographics because that is where the money is now but right. 10 years right, from right. now 15 right. years from now all those people will be gone and your exactly. demographic is going to be your millennials and your and your digital natives and you're going to need to speak to that audience and be yep. excellent in doing so yeah but they just may be old
0: millennials at that point yeah like, but- like literally old people like with same type of older folks type well, mentality Will their What's
1: personality it? change as they mature as people. Is that what you're asking?
2: What's interesting, it's, it's not, um, and there are studies that back this up. What's interesting okay. is that millennials are the first generation to influence up. And so their, um, you know, way, the tools they use, the way they interact, their, their language um, actually is being adopted by their older generation, and it's not going the other direction. Um, oh, okay. And so when you're able to fluently speak to millennials, um, you're going to uh, attract more and more uh, mm-hmm. older demographics as well because they're being influenced um, by, by millennials and digital natives.
1: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Remember there used to be a guy that came to our, our SMMOC, Jason, that was a millennial like, consultant. He, he said that he was
0: he, like, yeah, exactly. A
1: generational consultant.
0: But he was, he was that for what company? A big giant company. Yeah. Yeah. It was like,
1: we're only X are really like 20 years ahead of those people or sometimes 10. It's not like they're not our friends. Those millennials. (laughs) Well,
2: what's, what's funny is, (laughs) what's funny is that the organization, we we had a fundraising forum here in uh, Denver and there were like uh, 200 people. We hosted it, it locally. And, um, the, the thing, the funny thing was all these people said, it's really not worth it to try to understand and inter- engage with millennials and digital natives because they're not giving right now. What? Um, That's not and, true. And what was really interesting is that the, um, uh, when the one speaker that we had there said, um, or, or I think they said, is it, is it worth it or something like that? And they said, um, in twenty years, it will be, and the people who are fluent in speaking to that audience today, um, you're going to be the Sears and Kmart. Yeah. They're going to be, you know, the Whole Foods and the, uh, you know, the, yeah. the young brands, and you're going to wonder what happened. You're going to wake up one day and say, "What happened? Where did all our donors go?" Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's the, you know, if you're a large organization who expects to be around for a while, past your that lifetime, you have to you think may. about. Yeah. yeah,
1: no, for sure. And also, but millennials want to do want um, – you can correct me if I'm wrong.
2: But, <laughs> I probably will. <laughs>
1: but it's my understanding that millennials want to feel like that everything that they do has a purpose and a legacy um, from the people that I've, I've talked to. Like for me, I was, I was content for too long, admittedly in a job because it paid the rent. I didn't care about it serving my purpose. I did that with my volunteer time, Mm -hmm. but it's my understanding that millennials want their careers and their giving and that all to be participatory and to have a legacy impact to have value now and for later.
2: Well, yes. And what's interesting is that the older generation tends to give more out of duty. So it's like, You know, I should give, and that's why I give. Um, The millennial generation is looking, they have a cause. So whatever their cause is, they're looking for the organization that they're engaging with to help them grow their cause, build their cause. They're not going to the organization to help them grow their cause. They could care less what the organization's cause is. It's their cause that they're uh, excited about pushing forward. And if the organization can empower them to do that, then they get excited about joining in. And that's, um, you know, that's, that's a big difference shift in mindset. Um, and so the organizations that are focused on proving we're, we've been around for a hundred years. We do this wonderfully. We are, you know, the go-to organization for this. They're not reaching millennials because millennials are like, I don't care if you've been around for a hundred years, if you, this is what you do, if you're not able to empower my cause and, and make my brand better, bigger, uh, then I'm not interested.
1: So that would shape how a larger nonprofit would recruit employees.
2: And volunteers, younger volunteers. Yeah, absolutely.
0: They want You need to make sure that they're able to lead by example and that the example that they're doing is going to be something that kind of rings true to them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, huh. it's, it's a show me, don't tell me sort of mentality. You know, show me how I can do this better. Show me how I can, you know, make my voice amplified and heard.
0: Hmm. Wow. We've had so much really great content coming out of here. And we, even we've had some folks in here, Paul was saying in the chat room, he's like, oh, my gosh, you guys are doing such a great job here. You know, I didn't even realize that we've been talking for as long as we've been talking. We still have 15 minutes left in the show. So... Um. <laughs> We're all
1: really passionate about nonprofits. I think that's what's happening. Like well, yeah, whatever definitely. our whatever our thing is, that's what you know. But um, I I do have one more question. Um, and
0: oh shoot! uh Oh, <laughs> it's
1: a Gen X moment, I guess. Wink. <laughs> No, I forgot what it was. I knew was, I was wanted to talk about employee and volunteer recruitment. So you answered that already, but there was one, one other I can't remember just
2: Well one thing one thing about <laughs> millennial engagement is that um, it also makes the job of the nonprofit a little bit easier because the millennial is concerned about one cause and you're probably not gonna convert them to another cause. That's that's who they are, that's what they're passionate about. Okay. That's sort of their life focus and goal. So they're seeking out organizations that can help them create an impact in that area, whether they're excited about saving whales or they're excited about the environment or whatever that may be. So rather than throwing such a broad net, um, it's much easier to target millennials based on, you know, what they are interested in. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're pulling in, um, you know, a more narrow audience. you're you're able to target your audience more narrowly and, and be effective at doing something.
1: Yeah. I mean Okay, so Marissa said you like a good argument, so I'm gonna get a little controversial. She should have told me that a long time ago. <laughs> um so my mom's generation uh was totally into protesting the war and all of these other things, and that being the Vietnam War or conflict depending upon which history that? book you read. Um And women's rights and all of that stuff in the late 60s and early 70s. All of those people were young. They were 20, 30. um, They weren't even over 30. They didn't trust anybody over 30. In some ways, you could say that attitude is not dissimilar to the millennials. But those people um, were later kind of looked down upon as not hippies, but yuppies because they'd given in to the materialism of the 80s the late 80s especially so i i wonder if some of this is just the cycling of the fervor of youth and then the natural the natural tendency to have children and settle down and get stuck in a in a job i mean will we always really just need to include those younger generations when we are focused on a cause or should we just say, well, this group is going to grow up with me and I'm just going to continue to stay with this segment?
2: Well, the the, the the difference that we have today, and it's huge, the difference is absolutely astronomical, and that is that these people have a, a much larger voice than those people. Um, the globalization of civilization through technology. Yeah has made a huge impact and so when there is a message it is it can instantly be heard around the world
1: the amplification of the message
2: yeah and so these millennials are influencing people who are two generations older than them through their ideas and their passion and their thoughts whether that's going to continue 50 years from now once once we all get used to this and it gets old you know the uh that everybody knows everything and can talk to everyone. But for now, they're able to influence way more people than than that generation ever was able to.
1: That's interesting. Hmm. I'm gonna think about that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying there's this aspect of truth, but I just didn't want to deny that the reality of the civil rights movement, which was huge, and we still see a lot of yeah, the effects absolutely. today. Yeah. I mean, no offense to millennials, but like, you know, there's been a lot of people saving the environment before you guys were even born. The Greenpeace and all of that. So um, I, I just think, I think the way we decide what's important to us as far as our employment and our mission, I think you capture it with the values. Your values have to be my values for me to work for you. Right. Right. That's like that yeah. is an essential difference. Whereas the rest of us who work for the man, we don't even care. But yeah. that so when you're marketing to a millennials, then you you need to be who you are. So and then those people will come to you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, I, show I, who you are and the millennials will come to you if that's also their
2: well, it, it has, it, what, what's, t- what's happened is it's translated to the corporate world. It's translated to every aspect of our society to where cause-based companies can sometimes charge two or three times the markup of other companies and have astronomical profits. But because it's cause-based people connect with it and they, um, you know, they, they get invested and they share and they talk ha. about it. Um, and so, um, you know, every organization now has, you know, a, a social impact, uh, department they have, um, you know, they have cause-based, um, you know, whole departments that are cause-based and, um, some of it's, uh, a little bit shallow, I think, depending, yeah. but, but they find that, you know, millennials would choose a company over here that matches a cause element that they're looking for, even if it's 5% or whatever it is. Yeah. Than the one over here that would pay more, but doesn't have that feel-good piece to it.
1: Awesome, because that was my question. What? How do you recommend they do um, cause marketing partnerships? Because, like, I know um, Sport Clips uh, works with St. Jude, uh, St. Baldrick's. Mm-hmm. And um, even Patagonia was doing something like what you talked about for Giving Tuesday. They gave away so much money on that one day. It was like a huge campaign. When you're working with these almost you know, medium to enterprise level nonprofits, how is that strategy ever incorporated with cause marketing partnerships?
2: Well, you have some you 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 have some leverage, especially if you have a good story and you have um, enough people who are passionate about it. You have some leverage in that. If you can get people in that organization invested in your cause, uh, you can get that organization to help fund your cause. And so, um, I think um, storytelling is more important than it ever was, ever in the history 100%. of time and um so being able to tell that story well and passionately and what and more focused is way better than less focused so if if i run a web agency that also does plumbing repairs and you know changes oil in cars uh-huh. nobody would take me very seriously they would yeah. be like well this guy's a an, you know a handyman who kind of knows Hack. something yeah yeah um the same with nonprofits. You shouldn't um and so Charity Water is, you know, our favorite example too, you know, obviously. It's
1: a good um, one. I wish there would be some WordPress.
2: If you look at their um at their actual um annual report and things like that, they are solely a fundraising organization. They don't actually do any work at all. They they subcontract to different, you know, organizations around the world. They are very, very good at fundraising. And they raise millions and millions of dollars a year online. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's all because they tell their story well. How, like, how narrow is it, you know, that we bring clean water to people? That is such a simple thing for someone to understand. Um, and so you need to be able to boil down your message into three words, you know, like they do and, and uh, you know, do that effectively.
1: I'm inspired. I feel like this is a really great show. What do you think, Jason Tucker?
0: Eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's been great. I think, I th- no, I think it's been great and I think that we've I think that we've uh, we we've essentially told the whole story here in that you can you can find out ways to be able to use WordPress better for your nonprofit. There are tools out there that you can install on your WordPress site itself to help out with um, either contacting people with things like MailChimp and constant contact and all those things that are out there. You have forms that are out there that you can tie into with gravity forms and all that sort of thing. If you need to do giving, you can uh, use uh, give to do all that sort of thing. And then if you need a thing that kind of ties all those pieces together, you can de- you can definitely use a CRM tool and all of these things all kind of tied together just it makes perfect sense to have it all live inside of WordPress interface that you want those people at that nonprofit to actually get into and start using and um, you know you know to make sure that they're able to kind of be empowered to do that sort of thing and then all that social media stuff that ties together those those various spokes on that hub that Nathan was talking about. So I think, I think we did a really good job in being able to kind of explain all of this and have like a good, you know, solid piece here to the point that I'll even send this to the folks at my work and say, folks, take a look at this and tell us what you think. <laughs> Squarespace right I, now.
1: <laughs> I did the part where I couldn't remember the question. <laughs> if there, if
2: there was one thing that I would say, and that is that if you have to pick between um, being good knowing who you are and telling your story and understanding what all these tools do and how to set them up and all of that, pick the storytelling every time. If you can do both great, but don't sacrifice your storytelling, your understanding of who you are as an organization and and your connection with that uh, for, you know, being a admin of a, a, of a WordPress website, even though it's great and easy to set up and there's lots of awesome tools to do that.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, Bridget. What do you think? I think we did great?
2: I
1: think that we have a lot of storytelling to do. <laughs> as I think It's nonprofits. So too. As nonprofits. <laughs> we have our work cut out for us. We know it. It's good to be reminded. It's always good to be reinforced with the things that you know, and it's good to think. You know what? I can do this. I can spend thirty minutes once a month writing out a three hundred word post. And telling what why I'm doing this, interviewing people, using your iPhone. I mean, this machine has more computing power than what sent the man to the moon. Like right. It's I mean, let's let's use it.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's not just for Instagram, folks, and it's not just for sliding <laughs> up and sliding right to find your uh, find your your next date. There's plenty of other things you can do with it too. <laughs> that's about it folks thank you very much for being on the show nathan we really appreciate it we we enjoyed all the uh the insight that you um given into this particular topic we really appreciate it and um thank you very much for sharing it out to your social networks we really appreciate that too Folks, the, the people that did an amazing job are the folks that helped us out with our show notes. I want to say thank you very much. Congratulations for going through and listening to us and writing some really great stuff regarding this. This will be used in both of our YouTube channel as well as our Facebook And we are going to be posting videos up to Facebook pretty soon here.
1: Native video? Wow. Native
0: video. Boom, I know. And then also on YouTube. So all this stuff's obviously been streaming on YouTube. So if you enjoyed this particular content, we really appreciate it. Click the little thumbs up buttons. And if you didn't like this stuff, hit it two times because it'll still click the little thumbs up button. And then lastly, if you love this stuff and you really want to get this into your inbox and get this into uh, your your mobile phone, or any of those sorts of things, hit the little subscribe button and the little bell right next to it. Ding! That's about it, folks. Thank you very much. You have a good rest of your night. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Thanks, guys.